The Spin-Off Podcast Network. When the Facts Change is brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network in partnership with Kiwi Bank. The bank for Kiwi looking to get ahead in business and in life. A bank that delivers expertise and banking know-how, smart advice for business owners wanting to invest, grow their business or diversify. A bank that adapts with technology through the lens of its people and customers. It is a bank with heart that is driven by its purpose. Kiwi making Kiwi better off. Do you ever feel like you've been here before? Like it's Groundhog Day? Deja vu? Haven't we seen this story before? COVID is hitting us as we get into Christmas. Inflation is here. And central banks are increasing interest rates. Yep, that's how it felt almost a year ago today, but so much has happened. Almost a year ago today, I interviewed Jared Kerr, the chief economist of Kiwi Bank, about 2021, a year when inflation was starting to become a bit of a problem, where COVID had really roiled up our economy, and we were looking ahead to the next year of maybe some some more settled weather economically. But of course, we know now that Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. We had two supply shocks hitting the global economy. Supply shocks on energy, not just oil, but also gas. And secondly, labour, as COVID just kept on coming, wave after wave, taking people out of the workforce, keeping people at home, stopping them from going to work because they had to look after kids that couldn't go to school. All of those disruptions again and again through 2021. A year where we seem to go nowhere, but so much happened. That's this week on When the Facts Change. Well, welcome to When the Facts Change, an annual tradition. We have Jared Kerr, who's the Chief Economist for Kiwi Bank. Jared, it's great to have you back again. Well, 2022, that escalated. Yeah, did it ever. Wow. Um Thinking about what we spoke about this time last year, we were obviously concerned about inflation and and rising interest rates, but inflation came in much higher than we thought and and interest rates are going much higher uh, than we thought. So, you know, there's obviously a a lot of demand out there globally that pushed things a little too far uh, with central banks easing too much during COVID. And and now we're we're mopping it all up. uh, And and that's that's the difficult part. And that's, uh, I think, causing a lot of pain and, and I think the outlook to next year, geez, it's, uh, it's difficult, but it, it looks pretty awkward. Yeah. I mean, a year ago, we were talking about inflation and interest rates and how central banks were beginning to crank down on the the, the brakes, if you like, and uh, inflation probably would come off in the next year or two. And then it kept on going at the United States, um, you know, heading up towards 7 8%. We're at 7% or so. And uh, since then, our own Reserve Bank has... Uh, cranked on the interest rate hikes and is expecting to take the official cash rate to 5.5%. Just this uh, last week of the uh, the year, we've seen the US Federal Reserve put up interest rates 50, the European Central Bank up 50, the Bank of England up 50, and um, financial markets' asset values have really come off the boil, including in Aotearoa too, with the asset value that 
um, most New Zealanders who have assets think about the most, which is their house house value. Tell us, um, you know, how the housing market is travelling with all of this interest rate news, and uh, maybe how much further we've got we could we could see it go. Yeah, I think you touched on it uh, nicely. That you know, really low or record low interest rates fueled a, a lot of assets, uh, including housing, obviously. Uh, and now central banks are trying to reverse that, and we've seen a, a, a massive increase in interest rates uh, globally over over the year as they try and rein in uh, asset markets and and prices. So what we've seen in, in New Zealand, uh, the housing market has gone from recording, you know, extraordinary gains, very large increases in house prices, you know, up until last year, and now the Reserve Bank has cranked. Uh, on the on the uh, interest rate hikes, uh, and we've seen you know interest rates, mortgage rates lift from you know a little over two percent to you know getting closer to seven percent and and above. So a huge increase. Uh, we've also seen some regulatory changes coming through, which you know LVR restrictions, uh, triple CFA, uh, the removal of interest rate uh, deductibility. All these things have weighed heavily uh, on, on the housing market and, and house prices have fallen. You know, house prices are down around 12% uh, from the peak and they've got further to fall. Uh, the central bank wants house prices to fall further. How much of a wealth effect do you think there has been um, this year? Because there seemed to be some sort of wealth effect when prices uh, really jumped up in 2020 and early 2021. And, you know, we're in new territory here. I don't think most people who are alive today have seen a, a fall of uh, double-digit levels headed for 20% falls in nominal house prices before. And we do wonder how it's going to affect those people who own those assets. Are they feeling a wealth effect and is it starting to flow through into the uh, uh, stats on retail sales and that sort of thing? Yeah, absolutely. You can't underestimate, I think, the impact of of the household, the housing cycle on household confidence. Um, there is no doubt that when house prices were rising uh, at very rapid rates, that we saw, uh, you know, households consume more and we saw in our spending data that we spent a lot more money on renovations to the home and and uh, and you know furniture and, and everything to do with the with the home. We we saw a lot of spending uh, going going into it as house prices surged. Now we're seeing the reverse. Uh, house prices are, are falling and spending on renovations and and around the home has dropped right off. Uh, I think we've done a lot of the spending we wanted to do around the home. Um, but with house prices falling, people are less confident to to invest in their in their house and and do more. Um, and you know, heading into next year, uh, as you say, house prices are likely to fall by around twenty percent, which is which is quite a big nominal fall. Uh, and, and that will play on uh, on confidence. And you know, on top of that, on top of your asset, your largest asset generally declining in value. You've got you've had a surge in interest expense, uh, so you know you're having to deal with that, and you're dealing with high inflation, so high prices elsewhere eating away at your purchasing power. So there's, I guess, three things that are that are really impacting uh, households, and we've seen consumption slow already, and I think we'll see household consumption contract next year. So that'll be, 
I think, the start of, of what will, will be a, a, a recession in New Zealand next year. And we saw a sneak preview, tiny little sneak preview of that in the September quarter GDP figures, which showed a very slight fall in uh, household consumption and, interesting, a, a fall in government consumption as well. It seems, though, that uh, just as consumers are putting their wallets back in the pocket, we've got all these uh, tourists arriving um, who we haven't seen for a couple of years. And is there, a, is there a, a chance that, you know, as one set of wallets go back in the pocket, a whole bunch of new wallets arrive through the airport and spend to the point where maybe there's an offset and the, the hit isn't quite so great? Yeah, uh, there's definitely an offset, uh, and and we've been uh, you know encouraged by the spike in visitor arrivals. As you say, we've seen a lot of tourists coming back in, which is great. Um, the peak in the tourist season is is now, so we've seen a, a lot of tourists coming down and spending their euros or their Australian dollars or US dollars down here, uh, and that's fantastic. That the, the uh, Tourism industry is obviously been in uh, in hibernation for the last couple of years and is awakening back up now. There are capacity issues. Um, they're struggling to find workers, which means we might not be able to make take full advantage uh, as we once once would have. Um, but it's good news. It's very good news, and it will definitely offset uh, some of the decline uh, in household spending. But it. Uh, it won't stop, I think, the inevitable slowdown in our economy next year. It'll be a great offset. It'll be a great windfall. But, uh, you know, spending throughout the economy, particularly, at, you know, from households, is, is set to decline. And, and that will be the largest driver, I think, of, of growth next year. And one of the big swings in uh, our economy will be construction. We've seen a, a huge uplift in construction, particularly residential, but also commercial, which is great. Uh, con- construction activity is very high. We're, we're building a lot, we're doing a lot, but it won't last. Uh, with the fall in, in house prices, there'll be uh, less construction in, in residential space, and, and I think uh, we'll see commercial space coming off as well. So one of the, the big swings up will become a big swing down uh, next year. Win the Facts Change is brought to you in partnership with KiwiBank to help you understand the issues affecting the economy. And that's what their team of experts is here to do too. Here's KiwiBank's Chief Economist, Jared Kerr, on what's happening with inflation in 2024. Globally, inflation rose to really high levels. We saw inflation averaging over 10% uh, last year. Now central banks have reacted, they've tightened monetary policy, they've lifted interest rates to levels where it hurts. We've seen growth slow down and we're seeing inflation coming off, which is great news because we import a lot of inflation from the rest of the world and that imported inflation is easing. So half the job that we're trying to do locally is, is being done for us offshore. The other half, the domestic bit, well, that's the tough bit. That's the sticky inflation that's coming out of a housing market, it's coming out of construction, it's coming out of service industries, and it's going to be hard to contain. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to stay up to date with detailed economic analysis and forecasts from Jared and other KiwiBank experts. They take big issues from both here and overseas and make them relevant to Kiwi businesses.
Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. One of my favourite cartoons as a kid was Wiley Coyote, in large part because he seemed to get hit by anvils a lot. And, <laughs> and then he'd run off the edge of a cliff. And there was that moment in the cartoon where Wiley Coyote's legs and arms were spinning and he seemed to be suspended in midair. And one of the fun things as a kid was, I know he's going to fall. <laughs> it's going to be bad. And I have that slight feeling about a lot of households who've who'd seen the headlines from the Reserve Bank putting up interest rates and all sorts of noise about inflation. But if they took out a one or two or three-year uh, fixed rate mortgage, they haven't actually seen it hit quite yet. But in the next year, that sort of delayed reaction, um, hands and arms stop spinning <laughs> while he coyote starts to drop, is going to um, have an impact. How how much of a sort of a delayed are we going to see from that increase in mortgage costs? Yeah, so the, the Reserve Bank started lifting interest rates in October last year, and we're starting to see the, the full impact of those rate rises now. Um, people generally take out mortgages over spring and summer because that's when they buy uh, their house. That's the, the, the most uh, activity is, is done over the, over the drier months. And uh, that's when we generally see people fixing. So a lot of people are rolling off, uh, about a third of people are rolling off right now, 50% uh, roll off in the next six to 12 months. So that's half of the entire mortgage book of everyone who has a mortgage rolling off really low rates. And I mean really low rates. We had mortgage rates of close to 2% last year. They're rolling off those rates and they're rolling onto rates that we haven't seen uh, in over a decade, and um, you know that that is going to have a, a big impact uh, on household budgets. And not many people are like us and, and sit down and, and look at the markets and interest rates moving and, and thinking about uh, you know hedging their, their risks or you know fixing mortgages a bit more aggressively. Um, people just you know take the rate and and you know wake up one day and oh we. You know, our mortgages rolled off. So I think there's a lot of people out there who may not be thinking about interest rates, but they will soon uh, be forced to think about an interest rate when it, when it comes off its, uh, its previously fixed uh, term. I can imagine that letter coming through the mailbox, um, opening it up and seeing this number that says six point something, going scratching, scratching the number with your finger just to check that it's not a typo or something. What is the six thing? I haven't seen this before. Yeah, I mean, take a, 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 a you know sort of a normal type mortgage for for Auckland. You know, eight hundred thousand, I think, is you know uh, roughly what we see uh, you know throughout Auckland as a as a size of a mortgage. You would have been paying twenty thousand dollars a year uh, in interest last year uh, and over the last year with with a, a low two percent rate. Now you're rolling off and you have to pay. 
probably 60,000, if not a little bit more. So that's a tripling in interest expense. That's an extra $40,000 a household has to find to service their mortgage. That is huge. Um, and, and it's coming for most, most people. So no more flat whites and, and maybe move to the Colby cheese from the tasty, tasty cheese. Uh, I, I'm curious too about wages and the sort of pressures we're seeing in the labour market, ones that I, I probably didn't expect a couple of years ago when we were coming out of COVID. Uh, it seems all around the world something has happened to the supply of labour that we, we weren't really thinking about. Some people have retired. Some people are a little bit sick. Some people are having to stay at home to look after kids. There's all of this combination of labour force withdrawal, forced or otherwise, that has changed the balance in that supply-demand thing. You know, we all learned in economics when there's a change in the supply or demand, you have to have a change in the price to find a new equilibrium. And uh, what are we seeing at the moment in terms of our labour market and how much of it do you think that's supply shock? Uh, obviously, we've seen the migration drop when the borders were closed during COVID. It's starting to come back now. But how much of the supply shock in our labour market is going to turn into something a bit more permanent and cause uh, employers some grief? But maybe if you're an employee, um, give you a little bit more power for that um, fund negotiation every year. Or uh, maybe, you know, a sign-on bonus or something like that. Yeah, I think we all recognise that, you know, particularly between that period of 2014 to 2019 when we had a record uh, migration boom, like the largest migration boom New Zealand's seen uh, in a very, very long time. We recognised that that was, um, you know, increasing the supply of labour and foreigners would come down here and just accept, you know, whatever price was on offer. So there was there was no doubt that, you know, large amounts of migration uh, was, was dampening uh, wage pressure. And we've just proven that because we've gone through a period of a few years, you know, without that migration uh, coming through and we've seen a, a significant tightening in our labour market. Um, as you say, the supply of labour has, has been an issue for the last three years and we've seen price uh, take off. So wages are, are rising at quite a, a, a fast pace um, compared to history. So wages are rising uh, and that's uh, you know on the back of a very tight labour market. Uh, on the demand side, obviously, demand uh, for labour picked up with the um, bounce back out of COVID. Uh, we saw a, you know, a bit of a demand shock globally um, with uh, you know, demand for goods and services spiking. So, of course, that led to more demand for labour, which was tight. Uh, and you know, we're in a position now with a, a very low unemployment rate, near record low of about 3.3%. Um, and that's generating, you know, wage growth of, you know, anywhere between 5 and, and 10%, depending on the measures you look at. It's fascinating, isn't it, that we have 3.3% unemployment, which normally that's seen as a good thing and makes people happy, N nearly 10% growth in household incomes overall, not necessarily wage rate, but household incomes because there's more people working and they're working sometimes for longer hours, 
So you got people with jobs and significant income growth, even more than the cost of living at 7%. If you've got 10% coming extra coming into the house every year and your costs went up 7%, you're actually a little bit ahead. I know not per hour worked, but still, it's it's not that bad. And sure, you're, if you own a home, your house price has come off, but you're still probably well ahead in nominal terms of where you were at the beginning of COVID. Yet when you look at the consumer confidence and the business confidence figures and what people say they feel about their futures, there's like this complete disconnect, isn't it, between what you think is going to happen to you and how bad you feel and what's actually coming into your bank account each year and how actually wealthy you are. I'm curious about whether you think something weird is going on in consumer and business psychology because of the dramas of the last you know two or three years with COVID and Russia and all of that, can you give us, give us a sense of whether those relationships between confidence and spending and investing have broken down a bit? Yeah, it's a really good point, and I, I think you know the 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 discussions that we've had with with customers, I, I think, reflect the surveys that we're seeing uh, quite nicely, actually. So when, when we talk to businesses in particular, the number one concern for most businesses is labour, like we just went through. They can't get the labour that they need. They're having to, you know, open for four days as opposed to seven days a week. And there's, there's all these constraints on businesses, particularly in, in labour space. Uh, and then you, you ask them what else is going on and the cost of labour. You know, their, their costs are, are spiking, the costs of materials, the cost of other things uh, that they need for, to run their business have also spiked. So, you know, that's reducing their profitability. And when you talk through these issues with businesses, it's quite clear that that they're not looking to the future uh, like we had hoped they, they would at this particular point in time. That they've got their heads down, they're putting out fires, uh, they're doing what they can to survive or adapt um, to the current situation, but their investment intentions is low, uh, actually contraction. So they are not investing uh, in the future, which you know worries me from a growth uh, perspective. Economic growth you know, dies very quickly when small to medium businesses uh, get upset and, uh, and, and bunker down and, and, uh, and, and not invest. Um, and that's what they're telling us and that's what's been reflected in the surveys and I think that will be the turning point for next year, uh, that, that business confidence um, or lack of confidence is a real concern. And then, of course, households are, are in... Um, Situation we mentioned before, with with you know high inflation still still eating away, their incomes might be rising a little bit more than that, but it's still front of mind when you go down buy your groceries and they're up ten percent. Um, you know that hurts, uh, and, and of course their interest expenses going up, their house prices are going down. There's nothing but bad news, uh, and people like me yelling out, "There's a recession coming next year." You can understand why confidence has been hit. 
Yes, and uh, choosing the avocado on toast instead of the cheese on toast, I think, is uh, one of the weird things about what we're seeing at the moment is the avocados are cheap and the cheese is just not. Uh, just finally, uh, Jared, looking ahead, I know we sort of asked this question a year ago and n- neither of us, I think, were thinking about what was in the mind of Vladimir Putin. <laughs> so <laughs> that was a wild card, one of those black swans that, come sailing over occasionally. We can't pick those. But what are the, you know, maybe the grey swans or the um, the ducks, the, the things that you're watching out there that could move the needle? We don't know w- which way the needle might go, but what are the things that you'll, you think, I'll keep an eye on that one? It, it has to be inflation. It just does. I mean, we, we talk about... Um you know, Ukraine and, and uh, the reopening of China and all these, you know, big events. But at the end of the day, it's what inflation is doing that'll drive what central banks are doing and that'll drive, you know, the, the economy. Um, we're watching inflation closely um, and we've seen it peak in the United States and I think it's peaking globally. And I think that inflation this time next year will be a lot lower than what it is today. Uh, I'm reasonably confident on that. You know, commodity prices, I think, will come off next year, but, you know, inflation's the the big one. And if we're right, and if inflation has peaked, then interest rates will peak in the next three to six months, and that'll be huge. Uh, Central banks will stop tightening and we'll see interest rates uh, peak and actually start to fall. The next thing that, that... uh, traders and economists and, and people like us uh, think about is, well, what's the next move? The next move is a rate cut. And I think that's what we'll be talking about this time next year. I think the Reserve Bank may be in a position to, to start easing, to start cutting interest rates this time next year. And, and that'll be the theme heading into uh, 2024. Uh, and it'll be, you know, how much uh, has, has inflation fallen by, how much can central banks start cutting and, and what does that do to equity markets and housing markets and I, I think that's when we'll start talking about, you know, a resurgence in, uh, in asset prices into 2024. Good thing I got the tape running. <laughs> we'll come back in a year's time. Jared yeah, Kerr, right. the Chief Economist at Kiwi Bank. Jared, thank you so much for uh, being with us um, this year on When the Facts Change. I hope you have a a wonderfully uh, safe and warm and dry summer, unless you're a farmer uh, on the side. <laughs> but uh, lovely to have you, and uh, no doubt um, we'll do this all again in a year's time and at various points in between. Kakite Anno. Right. Thank you very much, Bernard. It's, it's great being part of these podcasts. I, I think they're fantastic. When the Facts Change was brought to you by the Spin-Off Podcast Network, together with KiwiBank. Visit kiwibank.co.nz to find out how KiwiBank are making Kiwi better off. Kia ora e te Tiaihe Butler here, Podcast Manager at the Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.